What's up, everyone? This is Let Me Know How It Is, a podcast about all things geek. For today's episode, the guys and I discuss the concept of the teenage superhero and what makes it so darn great. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. First off, a quick note to all the listeners. We recorded this one via remote conferencing, so that's why you might sound a little bit different. All right. So Marvel's latest event kicks off with a one-shot titled Outlawed, presented by writer Eve Ewing and artist Jim uh, Jacinto. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, this event will focus primarily on Marvel's teenage heroes as their existence gets called into question, which in turn puts them at odds with the adult heroes. So this seemed like a perfect opportunity to explore the teenage hero as a concept and why it works so well. I'm Zach Slater. I'm Frank Melman. I'm Tommy Smithereens. I'm Clifton. All right. So I think Spider-Man is kind of the shining example of the concept, but uh, we would have to admit the fact that Robin as the sidekick was kind of introduced first some 20 years prior. So who do you guys think did more for the concept in general of those two? I'd have to go with Robin. I mean, because technically Spider-Man is a teenage superhero, but he's not really a sidekick. It's more along the lines of, you know, it's not so much in, in I don't think, in the early stuff that they, anyone really realizes he's a kid um, or a high school student, I should say. I mean, they do it more in Ultimates. I think it's like the Ultimate uh, Ultimate 6, that, that miniseries where when the Avengers find out, or the I should say the Ultimates find out that he's a kid. Tony Stark's like, that kid took out more villains than you guys combined. Right. <laughs> he's only 16. Right. But I think just for the, you know, if we're looking more at the, the concept of teenage sidekicks or just teenage superheroes. Well, teenage superheroes in general. So that would encompass the sidekicks. So, so I'm actually kind of surprised that you said Robin, because for me, I would say Spider-Man, because I think Spider-Man kind of showed us the way of like how it can be done really, really well. Whereas sort of the, the civilian aspect of things is just as important as the superheroing and sometimes more important, I would say. Sure. I can see that. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, I'm not, uh, I, I, I'm not the most up to date on like my fifties Robin stories and stuff <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? But uh, they're, in, they're in outer space, Zach. They're all in yes. outer space. Yeah. So, okay. So is, is Robin like trying to date like the teenage green chick on Mars or anything no, like I, that? No, I think it's, in those, it's more along the lines of the fact that they're, you know, I think the closest thing you get to that sort of thing is um, the original Batgirl trying to, is trying to trap him, you know, trying to get him, that kind of thing. Okay. But I don't think there's, any, I don't think there's, any, as far as I know, there's no, you know, alien girls don't come along until the 80s. Original Batgirl Betty Kane. Yes. Thank you. Thank okay. you, Clifton. Yeah. But I, I think until you get to like the 80s when it's uh, Coriander or Starfire is the first place we get a moment of, you know, him dating an alien, so to speak. So I was just joking, and and sure enough, you just find the actual <laughs> example of like, yeah, yeah, that happens, Zach. <laughs> it does. <laughs> That's right. It absolutely does. I forgot. I keep forgetting all about uh, Corey and Starfire, which is funny. <laughs> yeah. You think you think I wouldn't? No, I would think I wouldn't. I don't. But um, yeah. It, to me, it's one of those things where it it, it progresses at that point. But before that, it's it's Barbara, you know, another teenage superhero. But up until like until the eighties, then it's then it's all about Starfire. So. Tommy, what do you think? Who's more important for the concept, Spider-Man or Robin? Um, me thinking is probably Spider-Man because 
Robin only graduates in a way to what Spider-Man always was. At one point or another, we have the sidekicks always sat alongside the main hero, but ultimately we just want to see what the um, teenage hero can do on their own without the guidance of their mentor, so to speak. But one thing, I, I think what people forget a lot is X-Men started out as teenage heroes. But no don't really, no really emphasize or even talked about it because I guess um, they just didn't seem like it at the time with um, Spider-Man taking a mantle. But I would have to say that Spider-Man was, uh, um, was what they all graduate to be, even with Teen Titans as a group. Yeah, I think what's interesting about Spider-Man, different than all the rest, even contemporaries like the original class of X-Men, is that all the other teen heroes were mentored. And Spider-Man was the first teen hero that was out there doing it on his own without adult supervision. And I think that's what really makes him stand out. Yeah, no, that's a that's an excellent point, actually. Yeah, I mean, he is... Yeah, until like like Frank, you're right. Like until Ultimates, really, like everybody thought Spider Man was was an adult, right? In there, nobody really knew he was a kid. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I, like, look, I nobody loves Robin more than I do, but I just think as far as this, I I think that Robin later, like in the 80s and 90s, I think every teen hero is informed by Spider Man at some point, at you know now. Right, I I understand what you're saying. I'm not I'm not arguing that point. My thing is just the idea that we would. We yeah. wouldn't get Spider-Man without Robin, right? Because right. Robin is the one. Robin's the one where, like, they, they decide that they want to have a kid in the mix, so that basically they can have someone to have the kids to relate to. Because you can't really relate to Batman, I guess. Yeah, but, that was always such a strange you know. <laughs> concept <laughs> right? to me. That, like, yeah, the, the idea that Robin was created because as a kid you couldn't imagine yourself as Batman because he was a grown-up, but you <laughs> right. can imagine yourself as Robin the kid that gets to hang out with Batman. And I always, I'm like, that's crap. Right. Yeah. To me. Like, I, like, like that's, that's not how make believe works. What about, no, no, but no, what but about I, you know, making uh, like war bonds fun for kids, yeah. <laughs> but no, but I get that concept because it's in the um, depiction itself. Even Spider-Man, um, Spider-Man, even in his name alone, it's not like he's called spider boy. You right. know, it's, it's the, it's the thinking that you can only do this if you're grown up. But, um, with Robin, he is a kid. He's not pretending to be grown up. How he acts is not overly mature. You know, he doesn't outsmart people. He just uses his youthful energy to, you know, to assist a grown up in ways that a kid is impeded. Right? I mean, I, I mean, say- this is this right. is like think about it as a kid. You know, you want to, hey, dad, let me help you at work. And uh, you know, any any you know mature or thoughtful dad, like, no, you can't help me at work. Go go do what you have to do. But this is, in a way, a kid's dream to go help dad at work, right? Well, I think I think part of that is funny is when you say that Robin's youthful energy is what is what carries him. But it's funny that if you if you look at what any appearance of Robin with the Teen Titans, where basically they're put together in a group, everybody looks to him. Like it's not like it's not like the rest of the group is is up for leadership. Think about how long Dick Grayson was Robin, and think about how long everybody in Teen Titans from like the beginning are like, no man, you're, you're, you're the guy. You're the one that's like every against other kids. He's highly mature. No, I, no, no, that's, I mean, to me, that's just ours in the company you keep. I mean, mm-hmm. but that's other teen superheroes in that case. It, but it's, it's to me, it's, again, it's the company you keep. I mean, and on top of that, his training preceded Batman. So he's mature beyond any of them, any of their wildest dreams. I mean, all of them were chosen 
at maybe an uh, what let's say let's say like with uh wonder girl or with wally they're still a little bit older when they start superior dick starts off when he's what maybe four or five with his actual parents to be quite honest but not 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 crime fighting no but i mean still i I think high flying trapeze artists would be scarier still i mean just i mean and then and he he did that what every day you know Mm-hmm. It was indoctrinated to him, so I think it's it, it it supersedes Batman. I mean, Batman picked the you know the greatest person who could ever do it at that age. I don't think any other could kid could be able to do it like Dick could, just because Dick was ingrained into like the family business from birth. So I, I yeah, there 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 is there is a sentiment that essentially like like. Bruce's first like protege was like he picked the most groomed naturally gifted athlete <laughs> that he can find. Yeah. So that leads into it too. Everybody else is like, okay, thanks for choosing me. And then they start as teenagers. Dick started like damn near as a toddler. Am I what you you don't see it that way or anything? No, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. It's just one of those things where, again, I, when you were the one to say that he had, it was youthful exuberance, and I'm like, well, yeah, but until you put him against other kids and other kids, it's gradually become more and more of like, what do you think we should do, Dick? <laughs> it's always Robin, what do you think we should do? You know, that's my only point is like, yeah, you can argue that against Batman, he's, you know, he's bright and he's youthful. That's part of the, you know, that's what the character basically is. But I'm saying as soon as you put him in this position of being in, like, say, in a team, to me, he's like, he's like Cyclops. Cyclops is the same way where when they're, when they're teenagers, he's all standoffish and kind of brooding while the rest of them are sort of mixing it up and goofing around. Yeah. That's not Cyclops. Cyclops doesn't do that. And I think the same thing for Robin. Robin, Robin sort of stands apart from that group. Not as much, but I think it's one of those things where, you know, when it comes to being around other kids his age or near his age, he's, he's naturally going to be the one that's going to be, I guess, thrust in the position of being in charge. Yeah, but uh, I will say this too. With all other teams, it, to me, it tends to be a trope. The one that has no powers generally, or uh, the, I guess ends up being the best tactician just because he has no powers. Yeah, I mean, sometimes. <laughs> well, I'm not saying, well, I'm not saying it's all the time. Right. But in a lot of cases, he's thrust in that role because he has to think it out because he's the one that doesn't have speed. He's the one that doesn't have strength, you know, with the exception right. of what maybe speedy. Right. He's mm-hmm. also learned under possibly the best tactician and strategist in, in the universe. Yeah. Also. So, so yeah, so he has that bent to yeah. it for sure. But so I, I guess though, so why do we think this concept works so well? But the the teen uh the teen yeah. age, I think it's creepy. I mean <laughs> <laughs> okay. because I just I think it's the scariest thing ever. I think it was a, a wish fulfillment that people that I mean the audience of of the people who read comics at one point the most were kids. So to put kids into it would make them want to see it even more. But the more you get into stories and embracing it, I mean, I, I get why Marvel would bring that topic forward because ain't no way in hell I let my kid do that stuff. I mean, uh, upon finding out that you, uh, it's God. I mean. It's a dream that you're not related to your mentor because they're detached from the responsibility of sending you out to die every day. Are you kidding? No. Well, that's why they're mostly orphans, Tom. 
Yeah, no, no, I get that. I, I, you see that a lot in Japanese manga too. Oh my God, don't be an orphan in Japanese manga because you're primed for for use or for um, being used. I see it the same way. So you're taking orphan, in from broken homes. Yeah, you're taking them from a broken home. That you know, you're you're it's, you're great, especially if both parents died. Jeez, it's like a cult. Yeah, <laughs> yes. right. You can. Well, I mean, but again, get back to getting back to the original X Men. Think about them. For the most part. I mean, they, some of them have parents, some of them don't. But yeah, some but of them, yeah. But it's not yeah. some of them got sent off by their parents. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and some of them have parents yeah. that are in space. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> right. Yeah, but, that too. yeah, but they're being lied. Their parents are being lied to. You know, it, it and that's and that's sure. the prime for grooming. As soon as you don't have that parental guidance around you, I can teach you whatever. I can, I can teach that kid whatever the hell I want them to learn. Mm-hmm. Right. No, I agree. That's why I say it's creepy. <laughs> it, it's yeah. It's <laughs> it, in some sense it's a cult. <laughs> And you feel sorry for them because they don't have a quote unquote normal childhood from that point forward. You know? Right. God, it's like Michael Jackson's ranch is the X-Men's um Yeah, but they don't have a normal childhood either anyway, because they're mutants. I agree, but doesn't mean so, but that doesn't mean you can't have a normal childhood just because you're a mutant, right? Uh I don't know. Yeah. I mean the whole idea <laughs> the whole idea that that they're persecuted, so this is their safe haven to sort of like be themselves and learn how to control their powers and become part of a kid army. That's yeah, yeah, but oh my yeah. god, a kid army, you see what you're saying, right? It's, <laughs> it's like you're superseding one moral judgment for another. Just because you're not doing this doesn't mean it's better. It's just another well, person being used. Well, I mean, it could be, I mean, I mean, I think you're being taking it a little cynical than rather opposed to the fact that, you know, at that point, Xavier's seen good bad mutants quote unquote and the idea that he wants the next generation to realize what's at stake isn't necessarily hey you know a bad thing no but it but that's my point it is a bad thing i said it because oh, no i know I, I get that yeah i said it because he's not picking adults to fight his war he's picking children that he can eagerly groom and manipulate to bend to his will to fight these adults because well, I think there weren't there weren't that many mutants at that point in time. And that, the ones that he found, the ones presenting were teenagers that that he found, right? Tommy, I mean, what's Xavier's power set? Yeah, but that makes him more creepy. <laughs> why? Mean, he, so I'm, just not, saying, <laughs> I'm just saying, if he if he had to, why would he just take take every mutant by by force mentally and make them do that? If that was what his whole idea was, the, that the argument's out on that as well. Who's to say he didn't? Okay. But what I'm saying, I mean, until so, why did he stop with those five? Good. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> right, he started with right. those five, but his next incarnation were older, significantly older, right? They weren't teenagers. Well, he took what he had to get at that point. Yeah, but that, we're talking. Are we talking? Are we talking all, all giant size? All new. All yeah, new. I'm definitely talking giant size. Okay. But but what I'm saying is because it's you justifying but, his use of teenagers and lying to their parents in order to fight his. Secret war, right? Sure, but that's bad in itself. Now, mind you, I'm not saying I didn't find joy and pleasure from reading those stories, but mm-hmm. if I break it down, ooh, ooh, who's the villain really? Magneto or um Xavier? Not- well, Xavier's mission is only to defend humans <laughs> who persecute and hate them. Right. <laughs> Magneto's the one trying to kill the humans right. or enslave yeah. them. Yeah, but at one point, you almost got them all killed on the island, right? Mm-hmm. And where was Magneto? Was Magneto anywhere to be found on that island? No, but that doesn't mean it's. <laughs> it doesn't I don't think I don't think he sent them there to die. 
No, but he did that every time. It's it's not the it's not the it wasn't the initial reason, but it could always be the end result. Well, sure. But that doesn't justify the action, does it? Again, I, I still think that it's 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 not I don't look at it as cynically as you do, the idea that the only reason they're going is because he wants to fight their secret he wants them to fight their secret his secret war. I still think the idea of, of making letting them know that the stakes are pretty high, you know, this is what's going on, this is how things are gonna get, and it only gets as comics do, it only gets bigger and bigger exponentially to what the threat is but, to them and or the planet. But as an adult, shouldn't he take that into consideration? I'm sorry, which part? Just using kids. Yeah, but it's also, I mean, he wants, I mean, the other thing about Xavier is he wants integration. He wants to be, he wants things, humanity, and he wants mutant kind to be able to get together. It's the idea of we're going to teach you how to be okay with yourself, how to master your powers. And oh, yeah, by the way, we sometimes have to fight for our lives. Yeah, but eh. <laughs> just, that's 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 the aim of the the of Xavier's you know the Xavier Institute from the beginning is we is is you know your your powers out of control you're found by Cerebro, I'm bringing you here where it's safe, and oh by the way we sometimes have to fight yeah, against other mutants I for think, our lives. I think, yeah, you're apply, I think you're applying like modern storytelling sensibilities and what everybody's done to Xavier after the fact. And in the '60s when they were created, like like Xavier was on the up and up. You know what I mean? Right. That's. Like, like he was he wasn't the guy, he wasn't the guy that he was he revealed to be late, later on where he right. he did have his own secrets and he did uh you know have his own skeletons in the closet and stuff like that and everything like like I mean but that's that's the implication what I'm saying is wrong is wrong I get what you're saying and I'm just fighting it from a perspective of thought provoking now what I'm saying is I understand that they took away the responsibility and the reality of the situation only to provide you with good stories. But that doesn't give justification towards the action. That's what that's what I'm trying to say. For me, I prefer Spider-Man because in, in, in the role of Spider-Man, it's seen as no responsible adult will let a child do this, even though they're capable of doing it. He understood it and did it anyway on his own. That's what makes it, to me, a bit more plausible. Does that make sense? Okay. So, with, so let's run with that. Yeah. But with that, I just think I I just, like I just think that that yeah, you, there there is a little bit of of a grain of salt that you have to accept. Where okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna accept the idea that that a 12 year old kid is gonna go out there and can overpower an adult man, you know, who's who's you know mugging somebody out in the street and everything. There's a little bit of a grain of salt that that you have to go along with, and I just think. Yeah, I think like many of the concepts in comics, I think if you tug on too many strings, it it unravels pretty easily. No, no, you know? well, it, to me, it just lends to more stories. Like with Teen Titans, I get that they had to separate themselves from the adults because the adults felt, or at least let's say Batman felt that he needed to be omnipresent for Robin because there's situations he thinks he couldn't handle. But Robin feels he's more mature to do it. So he gets with other kids in order to be the man that he's not becoming with Batman. Does that make sense? I'll eat that. But with Xavier, whoo, whoo. But no, I I get why it came out during that time. But I I, I don't mind pulling on strings in order to uh, 
create a stronger concept as to why he would do such an incredulous thing, you know? Right. Yeah. Okay, well, I think the concept works beautifully. <laughs> I really do. And I think and I think for me, the reason is that it opens up a whole kind of uh, plethora of type of stories that you could tell, right? It, it increases or changes up the kind of drama that you can have in your story, right? Because you're opening up the the Archie comics uh, teenage like romance drama aspect that's not really there for all the adult heroes. And I think that that was the real genius of Spider-Man that, that, you know, on top of the fact that he was relatable because he was kind of this geeky kid, you know, and he wasn't the strapping, good looking, you know, billionaire. Right. Right. But also he was the guy that had girl problems. You know, he had crushes on this girl that, you know, like the jock, the next guy over, it didn't give Peter the time of day. Right. No, I think, I think that, you know, when you look at the blueprint of, like you said earlier, the blueprint of, you know, how do we balance, you know, I'm, I'm doing all the superhero stuff but at the same time. I have all these teenage problems or I have all these young adult problems. You know, I agree with you that, that Spider-Man does. I mean, that's the template. Like you don't get stuff like you don't get static. You don't get um, uh, Ms. Marvel, the Kamala Khan stuff without early Spider-Man. You don't get invincible, invincible for sure. You don't get Buffy. No, you don't. <laughs> You don't get Buffy the Vampire Slayer without those uh, Ditko and Lee Spider-Man stories. Not at all. Yeah, it doesn't work. But to me, Spider-Man works the strongest because it doesn't shirk from the responsibility of being a child or being a kid like the other ones do. As soon as you pull it out of that responsibility thought process, it becomes something that's dated, in my opinion. That's, mm-hmm. that's Spider-Man is ahead of its time. And, and, and because of that, it didn't shirk that responsibility, that grand outlook to it. It holds up over the years. Oh yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, a lot of that stuff is really is still relatable. Even, I mean, even people. I think the only time it's really been done well when people try to visit it or revisit it, a lot of the untold tales, wouldn't you say, Zach, are are, are, are pretty reminiscent of the early stuff by Kurt Busiek. Yeah, yeah, the Kurt Busiek stuff in the '90s. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the Patrick for a long Ollis time. For a long time, I thought I think that that was the only like really great Spider-Man on the rack. In my opinion, because that was, was coming, out, that was coming out during Clone Saga stuff and everything. Yeah, but then you had this nice throwback book that was for ninety nine cents cover price, which even then, yeah. even then was cheaper <laughs> than everything on the rack. I remember. Yeah, no, I uh, I think I yeah. think that that is a really great forgotten book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, we've got an Ultimate Spider Man after the fact, which I think Ultimate Spider Man is like a, is for a long time uh, a great distillation of everything that worked. Yeah. Uh, just sort of like retold and modernized and everything. Then, and, and some of those aspects kind of made it into the movies, and it's right. sort of the Spider-Man that everybody's fallen in love with since. Who wasn't necessarily yes. a comic person beforehand. Yeah, but yeah, I think I think that Untold when it, you know the early Stanley and Steve Ditko, and then the, the Untold tale that sort of fills in the gaps or issues, or it's like you know in the nooks and crannies. There's other stories that Kurt and Patrick Alla for most of it was. I think Mike Allred does one of the annuals, but. Um, yeah, I think that that stuff is is again the the real template. You know, that's like that's your, you know, no one's really done it better. I don't think since then. Right. I mean, again, I can argue. I mean, like I said, Static is is is. I remember reading Static when Static was out for Milestone, um, and that was you know the first time I felt like reading those early Spider Man's. Kamala Khan's another one, like I said. Buffy's mm-hmm. another one, and definitely Invincible, from Kirkman at, at Image. Yeah, definitely helps. No, there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack there. I'll, I'll say for me also what I think. What I think is interesting about Spider-Man that is, 
as a teen hero that I don't necessarily I've, I've encountered this with other teen heroes is for me, like I, I know when a Spider-Man story is working mm. when I'm disappointed when the scene changes to whatever it's going to be. Right. So, so if I'm in, if I'm in a Peter scene and we're doing yeah. the high school teenage Archie comics drama stuff. Right. And then the bad guy shows up and I'm kind of like, ah, God, <laughs> like, right. you know what I mean? And I'm mad. Sure. Um, yep. I know that that's working. And then, the, and then vice versa. Also when I'm in the Spider-Man like action stuff and everything's kind of going and it's exciting and the story's hitting its climax. And then it kind of becomes uh, like an Aunt May thing, mm-hmm. you know, and it goes back to Peter. I'm like, ah, oh, like, like, like w- w- when the shifting gears kind of like breaks my heart, but doesn't deter me from reading. That's when right. Spider-Man really works really well. And I can't for the life of me think of maybe Robin in the nineties when Chuck Dixon was doing it. This is the Tim Drake Robin. Yep. Most of the time Lyle stuff. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's again, some really great stuff in there too. But, um, most of the stuff I like from from Dixon at the time was stuff uh, we've talked about it plenty of times. Zach is the idea that he got the the mixing of the characters so well, and he was one of those issues of them just hitting around, like the issue of him and of of Tim and Nightwing just swinging around doing stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think he got those character those character pieces really really did well. Not that I didn't enjoy Robin. I read Robin. Huh. I read Robin. I read Robin for a really long time. And I like the book and I like the character, but I think a lot of times his biggest strength was just having those moments of characters just talking and being characters. And I think, yeah. And, and, and I think that goes kind of hand in hand with what's interesting about Robin is, is that he's a legacy character. And then every person that put on the Cape after Dick, the original one has kind of been different in mm-hmm. some way. And so I think that those scenes that Dixon is writing with Nightwing and Tim Drake, Robin, where, Tim's not the natural athlete that Dick is. Mm. You know what I mean? He's not he he's he's not naturally gifted. He's not necessarily like born for this, right? He's he, like Tom, like Tommy was saying, he hasn't been training for this since he was a toddler, essentially. Like right. he was a normal kid until he deduced that Batman was Bruce Wayne. Right. Right. Which is like what brings him to the table is that Dick is uh Tim is more of a his intellect is kind of more right. of his selling point, right? And his and his deductive uh, prowess and things like that. But he mm-hmm. never really even wanted to be a Robin. That was the interesting thing about that story. He just he thought Batman no. needed a Robin, and was trying to convince Dick to go back to being Robin. For a long time, especially in that book, one of the through lines is like you know, Tim kept saying, "I'm going to quit and hang it up. <laughs> I'm not going to do this forever." Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. That was like the big thing was like, he kept saying, you know, there would be side moments with different characters. He'd be like, no, nah, I'm done. I, well, I'm getting to a certain point. I'll, I'll hang up my cape and be somebody else. And it was, it, it felt like le- realistically like he would. And then, you know, for different reasons and reboots and rebirths, they've done, you know, they keep bringing him back. Yeah. No, so. I agree. So, okay. So let's, let's get off uh, Robin and Spider-Man, unless anybody's right. got something else to say. No, I got something to say, but I'm going to change our gears here just a okay. little bit. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up a couple teen heroes that I've thought of while listening to all this that I don't think we thought of before, and I think we did not think of them because they don't fit that that same type of mold as Robin and Spider Man. Okay. And the first one actually predates both of them, and that is Billy Batson, Captain uh, yeah. Marvel Shazam. Uh, okay. Who also was thinking back an emancipated kid 
<laughs> like Spider-Man, but long before Spider-Man, because he was out there as an orphan on his own, doing his own thing with people thinking he was an adult. Right. And right. and then we can come back to him. And the other one I was just going to throw out that I was thinking of is one of my all-time favorites, which is Kitty Pride. Oh, yeah. And like, you know, we met her first as a, I believe, 13-year-old girl when she joined the X-Men. And and so she just serves a, a different story telling device in in those books a little bit different than than even robin did for batman but i was just thinking of some of those that we omitted from before yeah i think captain marvel's an interesting one just for the idea that again it's a situation where you know that one's total wish fulfillment of you know i don't want to be a kid right i'm I'm literally going to say a magic word and then i don't have to be (laughs) a kid anymore you know yeah, no, I agree. I think that that's that's like such an elegant, simple idea. And I think the versions of Captain Marvel that don't that don't essentially paint him as a kid in a in an adult body, I just don't see the point of it. Then, I'm like, right. why do this character? Right, like, <laughs> you know like, I mean? it, like when like when the hero is an adult, like yeah. an alter ego almost. Yeah, yeah. No, I like it being the kid in the in the big body, which yeah. the movie does very well. Zachary Levi's great. Yeah, it it does. Yeah, the Shazam movie is is phenomenally. Uh, it gets it right. It pulls it off. It pulls it off nicely. The big thing about about that is, uh, you know, when they when they rebirth, <laughs> when they rebirth Captain Marvel into Shazam, you know, I think that's one of the things you. I think it's it's. I'm perfectly. I like the idea of a kid in in the adult body trying to be, you know, basically Tom Hanks and big. I think that works right. fine. Like I don't have a problem with that at all. What I, I took it when I, I remember when they did the rebirth, it was. You know, now we have to give a, you know, Billy Batson has to be some kind of juvenile delinquent for lack of a better term. Right. And I, and I never thought I'm like, I perfectly, from the beginning, I was perfectly fine with Billy being a good kid. whose parents happened to die. And then he happens to get bestowed upon him these great powers. I am as well. The movie does go with the, like the rebirth delinquent. route and it does yeah. work. It still, it still does have enough heart to work, but I definitely prefer just like the good kid, Billy. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Yeah, I th- I think one of the great versions that you could see of it is the showcase um, animated mm-hmm. short that they did the Superman and Captain Marvel against Black Adam thing, and I like that that, just, that it's just it's just Billy Batson is 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 got is pure of heart essentially, and it and it's sort of like mm-hmm. we can trust you with this. Like you're you, he's he's essentially right. kind of a chosen one in yes, this absolutely. because because he yeah. he he's idealist and he's he's um uh optimistic and everything like that and, and there's not a whole lot of that anymore no no well i mean it's, it's one of those things where like i always i always looked at it because i remember it's one of those you know growing up when i did they had you know that that ridiculously weird shazam show that was on you know saturday morning to live action right oh yeah, you had yeah. To go. right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and mentor. yeah with a big and mentor and you had the the weird like you know clutch cargo mouths on all the gods talking to billy <laughs> but but it was one thing between that and like the treasury size of the old like cc beck you know um shazam or captain marvel stories from the 30s and then you also had um like the shazam power hour i don't know if anyone's ever heard of that it was animated with filmation yeah filmation did that one i used to watch that when i was really little and then you and then you had remember they also had the the, the high school kids that were the sidekicks right or they were teenage superheroes do you remember that Justin? i do not remember that Okay, well, that's that's for another show, but it's it was a whole, it was that they were also they were they were animated characters, but they were also live action kids that like sing rock and roll ish music. <laughs> but anyway, it was one of the things where from the beginning I always thought, well, you know, Billy Batson does the right thing because he does the right thing, 
And then all it's it's like Captain America. All it does is the, the powers that he gets makes him that much better and able to do that much more. Right. I think we talked about it in the in the um when we talked about the 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 animated stuff a couple episodes back, we talked about the idea that, you know, Captain Marvel's is 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 even sunnier than Superman when you put them up against each other, which is really hard to do. But again, I think yeah. I think on Unlimited they did a great job in was it Crash? Yeah. That, Okay, in that episode, they make it manage to show you. Well, no, Billy Batson would be that much sunnier and that much brighter than Superman if that's possible, you know. But I, yeah, in the other one, when you said Clifton was about Kitty, I mean, yeah, she feels a storytelling device of introducing you to the X Men, but also, I always think about that moment in Astonishing X Men where where Whedon has her say that uh, you know Emma Frost because they're both introduced in the same issue back in the eighties. You know, it's hard for me to trust you. Because you've been trying to kill me since I was like 13 years old, right, right, <laughs> and that and, and that very much informs her character. Like you know what, what we were saying earlier about Xavier's Institute is the idea that you know there are evil mutants, there are people that they would kill them, and I don't think Kitty Pryde was quote unquote indoctrinated just so that she could fight Xavier's war. She was an interesting character, also that I think that she was one of the few. Occasionally, you come across like a teen hero that gets to grow up, mm-hmm. and she and she is part of. Um, a pretty small batch of characters that were able to, that, that kind of aged with the reader, like like Dick Grayson was one, and Wally West was one, mm. and uh, what's his Arsenal? Arsenal was another yeah. one, or Speedy. Right. Um, yeah, and and with Kitty Pride, Claremont did some very fun stuff with that transition where she had been with the yeah. X Men, you know, in the Hellfire saga and all that, right? And then New Mutants came along, which were the kids that were actually her age mm-hmm. where they try to say like okay now here's your friends go train with them and she's like wait a second like <laughs> i've been with the adults this whole time why are you putting me right. at the kitty table right <laughs> yeah professor xavier's a jerk yeah right <laughs> classic panel yep. yeah absolutely so yeah i i think i think when, when we do think about teenage superheroes i think it's a good choice i i you know i wouldn't have thought about kitty even though yeah i read all those you know early appearances and when she's trying to find a code name, which I thought was interesting because, you know, she doesn't stick with anything for quite a while, which I thought was, you know, when I, more than I think about it now, she's a kid, you know, and when she's putting together a costume, she's Sprite, right. she's got the roller skates and an aerial. Was, yeah. that, was that intentional? I, I've always been curious about that. So, I mean, do you, I don't know. Do you think that that was, I mean, <laughs> it works in that sense when you put that light on mm-hmm. it, it does work, but I've always been puzzled about, I mean, was that just Claremont kind of just like, I don't really like this name. Let's try this one out. Let's try that one. I never really quite well, knew what the what the deal was there. Well, so, some of those costumes are pretty hideous, so I hope they they're weren't awful. planned to, to stay around. No, no, they're pretty awful. But I, it's one of those things where I remember reading a while, a couple months ago. I was reading, you know, I saw something about the idea was did Claremont intend for not you know for Kitty to be not only a, a Jewish superhero, but he intend for her to be a gay superhero or a lesbian superhero, and because of the, the constraints of the time, he couldn't really let her be what she wanted to be. And I wonder now that it was one looking back, was it something where was it something where, where it was the search for identity was very central to her character because she couldn't be what she wanted to be. Oh, interesting. No, yeah. I never heard that before. Yeah. I hadn't either, but someone brought up some stuff in Excalibur and other stuff, you know, after she's out of, you know, quote unquote, being a teenager in X-Men where it's, it's, it's more of an X, ex- like there's hints of exploration that doesn't come. I mean, it's not, it's never, you know, it was always, you know, to me, it was always she was in love with Colossus, but you know, I, it, it's hard to say because I don't think it's ever been addressed by Claremont that I know of. Oh, okay, okay. So, so um, I'm going to save Wally West. 
uh, <laughs> for later on. But uh, <laughs> I'm surprised yeah. we haven't tried to go there yet. Yeah. No, no, I know. Um, he, he, he is a unique one. And I kind of, that's why I kind of want to save that. And, and, um, right. But what about Miles Morales? So mm-hmm. it, how, how, how does, how, how does the, the classic Spider-Man kind of inform him and how is it, uh, same, but different, would you say? I mean, it's, again, it's one of those, you know, from his first appearance, it's pretty much a situation where he's, you know, he's kind of stepping up on his own. Mm. Like we don't really, we see him, don't we see him first? And then he comes, like we find out what, what his deal is later. If I remember correctly. Like, uh, I'm, I've, I actually have to confess that I'm really confused about how this all worked out when, cause I was not really reading ultimate at the time. And I kind of picked mm-hmm. his book up when it started. And then when his stuff got mm-hmm. all rolled into the Marvel universe proper, I never, right. I never quite knew like what was, what was kept and what, was thrown out yeah i'm not sure either because anymore you know i haven't read all that stuff either i just remember during like ultimatum which i think those are or near ultimatum or whatever that is whatever one of the last miniseries because I, I hadn't read ultimate spider-man or the ultimate books at that point i just knew they were wrapping it all up that if i remember correctly it was one of those deals where you know it's kind of like there needs to be a spider-man and i've got these spider powers so i'm gonna be <laughs> you know a version of spider-man I you know I, I I like the character a lot. I mean, it's hard to argue with the success of um, uh, Into the Spider Verse, right? Sure. I mean, when it's Oscar, fantastic. Yeah, man, it's a great thing, and the fact that it's fantastic as well doesn't hurt it. <laughs> but um, no, I, I just think it's one of those things where the idea of you know of of there being a Spider Man legacy is not a bad thing. You know, um, I think that works. I think the idea of the the idea that no, nah, Peter Parker doesn't have to be Spider Man forever. Right. You know, other characters can pick up that can pick up that thing. And you could argue that, you know, they tried to pass it on to Ben Riley at one point and that didn't quite you know, they didn't, they didn't really, <laughs> oh, yeah. didn't, that, that didn't really work out. And there were other characters that, you know, sort of fill the void, I guess. You know, you get your spider womans and your your silks and your, you know, spider girls and Oh, that's right. Silk is another know. really yeah. good one, I think. <laughs> so wait a minute, you yeah. that how um Miles Morales came about? Or I'm a little confused. No, I don't. I, I don't remember well enough. I just remember that that the, in Ultimate, the Ultimate Spider-Man, Peter dies. But you right? remember how it stemmed preceding that, right? I mean, oh, no, that's that's what I think. Some of us need some, yeah. some help on. Yeah, I, I don't quite remember. All it started was from Community, in which um, Donald Glover woke up in the Spider-Man costume. <laughs> oh yeah, was well, that it sure? The whole push for him to be Spider-Man, in which people were naysayers were saying, "No, Spider-Man can never be black." Well, it's also at the it, time. It's also the fact that Bendis. Bendis is, is Bendis's kid. He wanted to do something for his kid also. So that was another big push too. Yeah, but that's what made it personal for him. Right? He upon himself talked right. to the editor team at Ultimate and then created Miles Morales and killed off Peter just to prove a point. Uh, right. it, it, the, the character exploded as a result yeah, of right. what we get now. But it was all from a of people saying that Spider-Man, what Spider-Man can't be. And the whole thing with Spider-Man, him wearing a full body suit is the fact that Anybody can be Spider-Man. That's what it resonated with uh, um, a lot of um, minorities. Um, when you look at Spider-Man, he's not your typical um, white character. I mean, you know who's under the mask, but ultimately right. it could be anybody under the mask. You can sure. dress anybody of any nationality. Even a woman can dress up as Spider-Man and be Spider-Man. But the fact that they're clung to Peter 
it, it just it made no sense. And on top of that, to me, Ben Riley didn't work because it's just Peter Clone, just different name. You I know, know. <laughs> never. Oh, I know. I, yeah, I was there. The character. Like <laughs> Peter, Peter from a broken home or something. It was just it was crazy. But that's to me why. Uh, and Peter was grown up by that point too, with the Ben Riley stuff. Like he was supposed to be in his twenties at that point, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Like, like well, he he was a man at that point, I, yeah. at, or at least in college. Like, but again, I can't remember because I wasn't picking up a whole lot of Spider-Man in the '90s. It was it was only Untold Tales, really. Yeah, Peter's definitely at that point. You know, he's aged out of definitely out of high school. He graduated high school before you know, way earlier than that. And then ever since that point, yeah. you know, it's kind of like, again, I go back to the, the, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you know, kind of, kind of, the idea that once they get her out of high school, they don't really know what to do with her. Same thing with Peter. Okay. Well, Peter the, Burst- that was, that was going to be my next question. No, that was going to be my next question because I know you and Tommy love Buffy uh, in that but, whole world. And I was, and I was curious that like, does it work as well when they're out of high school? Because in my opinion, I don't think Spider-Man does work as well. Um. There's ways that you can you can sell it to me, for mm-hmm. sure. But I think right. he works better in the high school setting. So yeah, so that that's what I was gonna ask. So you don't think that it works as well either? Well, I mean, my thing is just the fact, like in Buffy, for sure. When you say Tommy, that a lot of the metaphors for stuff is high school problems, and it happens to be monster related. Yeah, but initially, but the whole thing with Buffy to me, I I think people sort of push the side of the fact that slayers die. Mm-hmm. Um, True. Buffy was the oldest slayer ever. Every time a slayer came before her, they died. Hence why there are so many um, people lined up to be a slayer, correct? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, uh, according to how Whedon put it along, a slayer wasn't expected to live a certain point, and then one was ready to take the man at a moment's notice. It was almost set up that way. So to have a slayer live as long as Buffy did was um, outside the norm. And when it pushed it that far, it became weird. But it's the whole concept to me of forever. I just don't get that. I mean, what I mean by that is, yeah, we see it, the hero at this point and all that, but isn't that the whole role of the um, teenage superhero to take up on the mantle when the mentor dies or to eventually um, grow in, well, <laughs> to eventually become great? Sometimes. Only gonna be teenager, okay. you know? Sometimes, but when you when we think about it, I mean, again, if we're getting back to, to Spider-Man's got nowhere to graduate to. Well, he's right. that's what, you know, before you became a boy, in my opinion. Right, right. So, but Robin, Robin, when given the, you know, given the choice of, of, <laughs> I mean, eventually does. Yes. But the first, the first thing when he decides that he wants to go, quote unquote, basically stop being Robin is he becomes what? Because Nightwing, right? Yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's one of those things where, yeah, we have that moment of, you know, you graduate from being a kid hero, but again, part of that is either your your mentor, your your you know your your main hero would have to die or retire or whatever. Yeah. In order for you to be, become, you know. The thing that you're supposed to be working towards. I mean, I, I mean, I, I get it, but I mean, I think I think Nightwing is far more successful than most characters that try to graduate into being the, the character that's taken over the mantle. It doesn't last very long normally. Yeah, but I don't know. It's just at one point, right. do they? I mean, to me, the teenage hero almost works best in the um, learning process, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, when they stop learning. They, they end up not or losing their shine that they initially started with. Right. I mean, that's that's what I get from a lot of teenagers. No, I'll, like, I'll, I'll, um, as as, sorry. as soon as they become mature, all of a sudden we get born. Like with, what you saying with Buffy? As soon as she gets into college, her um, 
those teenage problems that she used to have, they don't relate anymore. She's starting to age. You become wiser. She ends up becoming a teacher, correct? I believe a uh, counselor. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're right. She did graduate as a counselor. But I'm just saying as far as um, it became, the, it, it started out her become the plucky um, person that goes against the rules to become the person that is the teacher or is the um, leader, so to speak. And then her out her outlandish concepts or rules are pushed out the door. And then she becomes the very thing that she pushed up against. To me, right. isn't that all teenage superheroes that they end up becoming like the trite or old or whatever you want to call it? But I think that's I think that's life more than anything else. Yeah, but at that point, um that the Yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess. Yeah. I mean so where I was going to go running with that idea was um, outside of comics is a spot where I think that that's done really well is young justice, the TV show, because Mm -hmm. really, if I'm thinking about that show, as I was thinking about this episode, um, the stuff that I really gravitate towards the teen hero for, which is, as I've said before, the Archie comics to say by the bell teen drama stuff, that stuff I'm thinking about in young justice, it's there, but it's not at all the front and center of the, the kind of conflict that you see in that show. That show is very much more geared about, I think becoming who you're going to be. And are you going to become your mentor? Are you going to be doing it differently? Are is like, are you performing to the level that your mentor wants you to be performing at? Right. There's lots about legacies. Are you going to live up to a legacy? Are you going to go against a bad legacy such as Artemis with her background? Yeah. I mean, Young Justice definitely plays with that a lot. Yeah. But, but they, they struggle with the spotlight too. And what I mean by that is uh, at one point uh, we were discussing how young, uh, I think it was uh, Frank who was talking about how he didn't appreciate the later seasons due to the robust um, characters that were on the screen. I don't think they make the transition well either. To me, that's the same problem that comes up with uh, Legion of Superheroes. As soon as you get the characters to a mature level, all of a sudden, they don't know how to transition it to a younger crop or younger batch in which they struggle with the robust character. I mean, so many characters on the screen. Like with the third season of Young Justice, they don't know how not to show the old ones. And while they're struggling to show new ones, it's almost that they don't know how to let go of the the younger heroes who are now matured in order to give the new ones a bigger spotlight. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, to me, it should, re- it should spotlight the younger heroes always, regardless of who it involves and then try to phase out the older ones because they're no longer part of the team. I don't think it does a great job of that. I think it, it panders to the, um, the audience in which, you grew up with these ones. We're not going to let it go. We're still going to keep them in mind. However, there's new ones coming up every so every generation. Well, but, I, but I do think that there's something interesting to be said about the the cast from the first season now being essentially the teachers, the one be, becoming the mentors. And I do think that that, 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 that so I'm going to half disagree with you. I do think that season three, I think it's crowded. I think, and I, th- I think the show's too heavy at that point because it's, it's, it's introducing so many new people and mm-hmm. not a whole lot of people get a chance to really get the spotlight just yet. So I, so I'll agree with you on that, but I think that there is something to be said about seeing the old group kind of come back into this new role. Yeah. But I mean, I get, I get your nostalgia for it, 
But to me, it's almost a different show. If you're gonna if you're gonna show me that group of people, it's gonna stay with that group of people. But I don't think the story is with that group of people. I think the story is always gonna be the younger generation. I think it'll be a stronger show if it just dealt with the younger generation. I mean, you have stories with the older generation. That's great. But how many great stories are you missing out on this newer generation? Just because you don't want to, just because they weren't the first to start the group. You know, it doesn't mean they're yeah, less. But again, though, I think that there's something to be said about seeing Dick graduate to becoming now the person that's training all the new kids. And how is he going to do it differently from Batman and Black Canary and Red Tornado that all did it for them? Yeah, but right? it, like, what is he going to take from his mentors? And what is he going to, and what's he going to be his, and what, and, and what of himself is he going to put into it? Which is like what Clifton was saying, like, that's kind of the whole point of the show is sort of like, like doing that dance. Yeah. But the reason why Miles shines so much is because Peter died. I don't think Miles would have never got that shine if Peter never died. It's almost, right. it forced the character into the limelight. Once you take the spotlight off the, the character who has moved on, you can then emphasize the new character. If not, then why even show me a new character? Mm. That's why. That's why I, I get your nostalgia or your love of the previous character, but it becomes a different show. Am I watching Young Justice or am I watching Dick Grayson's life? Mm-hmm. That's that's right. that's what I see it as. I get I get your love of the character, and it should be maybe a spin-off or something altogether different. But give me give me young justice. Don't give me Dick Grayson's life. This it becomes totally, totally different, in my opinion. Again, I'll half agree with you on there. I, th- <laughs> I, th- I think, I think the trouble, I think the trouble is, I think the trouble is ultimately, yeah, that they're not, they don't focus enough on some of the younger ones that they introduce, right? And that, that there's some characters that that are just kind of in the background, and we don't really like Tracy Thirteen. Like, I don't quite know why Tracy Thirteen is there just yet. Yeah, because they don't emphasize Tracy 13. It's almost as you know, I say in the first season, did you care that what Batman was doing off camera? I did. But they didn't. <laughs> well, you're, you're just obsessed with Batman. I am. <laughs> but but you're obsessed with Batman. Didn't supersede your curiosity to see what Robin was doing, right? No, but it was it was his relationship with him that I found interesting. Yeah, but it right. And the moments, the moments in the first season where. Batman is giving Aqualad essentially some attention and Dick is kind of being like, why is my dad essentially paying attention to this other guy? And, and Dick is in the gym training. And, and, you know, as we've been saying the whole show, he's, he's a gymnast been training from essentially the time he could walk to do, you know, backflips and somersaults and everything. And he's in, and he's doing his calisthenics on his balance beam and he does a flip and he, you know, land, he lands on the balance beam and doesn't stick it and he kind of like falls off and then he's frustrated and punches the wall. Like, I think that that's an interesting dynamic of, of that says a lot about where, where he is with Batman in that moment. Yeah. But it shows that your emphasis on him, not the group. Does that make that? But you see what I'm trying to say? Right. But that scene doesn't work without Batman peripherally there, but that's, that's the point I'm making. No, but I get that, but it's not about Batman. It's never about Batman. It's the dynamics of the group. Well, this this I think this whole this discussion is like something we, we could talk about when we when we talk about Young Justice because no, no, I think we're getting a little in far field of what we're trying to talk about. No, I get that, but it still deals with teenage heroes. My point being is the fact of 
it takes away from I, I like the dynamic of the teenage hero and it starts mm-hmm. becoming about the teenage hero. I think that's as to why you found less interested in it as well, because it just it then personalizes it about certain heroes. To me, the dynamic of the teenage real has a fresh take on something. And as their inter um personal relationships between one another. And with each new character or each new character introduced, it becomes something different. It doesn't become familiar. It just becomes different. Like with young people. I don't think they emphasize it enough in that show. I think they take the spotlight off it and emphasize certain characters due to how how they resonated with the first season. But to me, that's what I would like to come back to the whole teenage superhero thing. It's it's the whole dynamic feel. So I know I said with the in the beginning with uh, Robin with this energy, but it's that energy of that youthful energy or that disruption that it encompasses. That's what makes it interesting to me. I think a better take on on what you're looking for, Tommy, is something like Runaways. Like yeah. I think run I think Runaways did a really good job from what I've seen of it. I haven't finished it, but in the comic as well as in in the in the in the TV series, the idea that you know. We have all these things we have to deal with. Oh, and by the way, we're still kids. Yeah, but that's what makes it interesting with teenage right. heroes. Right, right. Or yeah, Runaways is Runaways is one of my absolute favorite comics. Oh, yeah. it's, it's fantastic. Vaughn does Brian K. Vaughn does a fantastic job with it. Yeah. So I, it's one of those things where I, when I think about a more modern take on, say, a superhero team, you know, I think I think it is one of those things where you know I, I think that does it better team wise than some other books. That and um. If anyone's familiar with Young Avengers, the 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 one that was that set up the the, the some of the characters we're getting now in the MCU, the the right, was that Alan Heinberg? Yes, and uh, Jim Jim Chung, I believe, is the is the artist on most of those those first couple miniseries. Right, but but that same thing where you're basically taking legacy characters or familial characters or characters that are you know related to the Avengers. Right, that's where you got Hulkling and Stature and mm-hmm. Patriot. Right, yeah, Kate Bishop in that in that group as well. That's yes. that's the one. I, that's the one I couldn't okay. think of. Thank you. Zach. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that was one no, of the. She, yeah. I think to me, I think she's the standout of that group. I think, and uh, you know, for you guys listening mm-hmm. that don't know who Kate Bishop is, if the MCU uses her, uses her, um, she's probably going to be a lot of people's favorites. I think. Mm-hmm. Well, she's supposed to be in the Disney Plus show. Yeah, yeah. So. she's supposed to be. Yeah, she's supposed to be in a Hawkeye show. I but wait. I think those, I think those two teams from Marvel are really good examples of modern takes on on um on the superhero team and still managed to do a lot of the the you know a lot of the teenage drama stuff that, that you might be looking for that maybe we're not getting we didn't get enough of in young justice because again i agree with with tommy but i don't really want to go i don't want to i don't get a young justice discussion because I've, i could say a lot about that right. last, last season. that'll be on our spotlight on young justice yeah yeah <laughs> yes. we'll, we'll talk more about that then but i i think like those two but tommy brought up one that, that that i don't think people think enough of as being that kind of stuff even though it had a fair amount of it was it, it also is legion of superheroes the comic definitely has some of that stuff in it but i also think they they sort of gave themselves that that to me is more of a young justice type template because there is some of that soap opera stuff. There is some of those, will this person get together with that person or not? But they also sort of like early on create a situation where like, if you decide you want to get married in Legion, you're out, you know, that's part <laughs> okay. of their code. That's part of their deal is like, they, and that to me is like, well, you know, sure that you're going to marry someone who's a teenager like you, that means you're going to mature and get to a point where you're quote unquote an adult and then you marry and then you're done. Yes. You know, right. right? And that was a situation that they, they wrote in the book early. And again, I guess, you know, it's, you know, to me, it's like saying to, to, to again, at that point in the 50s, 
and that's when those stories come out in the early 60s you know your audience still is primarily teenage kids or kids so the idea of getting married obviously is a, is a moment of like oh whoa you're not a kid anymore you can't be part of our superhero teenage club at that point right right and i mean i know that there's i mean you guys are the resident experts on legion of superheroes i am not mm-hmm. um but you know i know that that in some versions you've seen of it where the characters have, have sort of gotten older a little bit and things in that mm-hmm. nature but i don't know i mean are there adult heroes in in the 30th century at that point like i mean do you meet them at all not really no, that was yeah that i i, I thought about that <laughs> it was in my, yeah it's in my head for a good 45 minutes <laughs> yeah <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, there's not really I mean they do like they'll do the funny thing is like back when it was it you occasionally get Legion of Superhero stories and stuff is known like like t- typically like by the I'm talking about like the Kurt Swan stuff, right. some of the Jim Shooter stuff. We're talking early on. Okay. When they really started to, to form the identity of what that team was. You did have like every now and then you'd have an imaginary story or a future story where Superman would show up and you would have instead of Lightning Lad, you have Lightning Man. Right. Or Cos- cosmic man to the cosmic boy or you know saturn uh okay. trying to think what hers was saturn queen or Saturn. no saturn queen's a villain but it would be you know you'd have these these versions of them as adults and like they would have like receding hairlines and you know a paunch like a gut like a gut <laughs> but they were still doing it but then they were still doing the superhero thing but typically like if you're thinking like you know the, the 80s stuff that the giffen um uh paul levitz uh larry malstead you know that era of of right before great darkness saga you know it's more like they're they're teens but they're mostly in their early 20s wouldn't you say tommy yeah for the most part well i would say 20 i mean they create as that 20s late teens type of thing mm-hmm. they never get specific as to what the ages are but yeah you're right with the uh at least with the right. scope or the range of what they're trying to accomplish okay they become a little more they become a little more later a teen i would say they're closer they're in their they're, they're they're on the cusp of being 20 or 21 to again it's the future so why would our standards of being an adult still matter to them right. never, that never made that never made any sense to me whatsoever but okay but it's one of those things where it um it it, it becomes a thing of you know they're more i think the only time i would say they really try to grow them up is when tommy oh the five-year gap yes the five-year gap is where they really kind of put a stamp on things of like five years pass <laughs> everything's messed up you know this bright beautiful future legion that we once had of like yeah the future turns out okay no it's not so great anymore i mean it's a great story and i i, I love it I, it's one of my favorite eras of legion some people think it's garbage but i think it's terrific but it's it's basically that's what happens is is, is the united plans are falling apart there's a plot that's behind the scenes of you know the, the, these villains are doing stuff but no there's not really a moment where where they have a chance i mean they're still like i said that's the closest you get to them actually being quote-unquote adults and ever since then it's been you know zero hour or um a reboot here a rebirth there and you know where someone comes along and it's like well here's my take on what legion should be and it always seems to be a, a, of trying to reset it back to it was of them being teenage superheroes but you fall in the same tropes of well lightning lad and saturn girl got together so surely they're going to get together otherwise your older fans are going to be upset as opposed to just saying wiping the slate clean and being like, nah, none of this. I mean, I, the closest I can say then now is what Bendis is doing is the idea that maybe the stuff that's been come before is different in the future is something you don't really know much about. Right. Okay. So hang on. So we're running out of time over here. So I want to get into Wally West before we get oh, out of here. Cause I think as yeah. Wally West has a very unique spot 
in the pantheon of teen heroes because he is really the first to be the sidekick of Kid Flash, teaming mm-hmm. up with the Flash that gets to graduate and grow up to become the Flash ultimately. Right. So, Frank, yep. I'll go to you because I know you're a huge Wally West guy. I love Wally West. I mean, I, I love reading the, you know, I remember we had a neighbor and the, the books that he had, a lot of the books that he had when I was a kid. Um, he had a bunch of um, early Flash, like the Carmen Infantino stuff, all that old, old stuff. So that's where I first saw like Kid Flash and Elongated Man. And, you know, these, I was lucky enough to be able to, you know, go through these books. They were awesome. But, you know, to see Wally grow up and then, you know, you have Crisis and he quits for a while before that and Titans and, you know, doesn't want to really be, you know, he gets, I think he believes he gets cancer at one point. That's why the reason, why, another reason why he quits. But for him to come back and then become the Flash in, in Crisis because of everything that happens with Barry. And then he's like the Flash for like, what, 25, 30 years? Wally? Something like that? How long is Wally the Flash? Yeah, something something like that, right? It's pretty much, okay. well, no, until, it, does, it doesn't go to New 52. So it's pretty much Crisis on Infinite Earths, right? Until right. until maybe... Final, final Crisis. Yeah, Final Crisis. Is it final Crisis? Okay. Yeah, Final Crisis yeah. is when Barry comes back. So, I mean, for an entire generation of people, he's the Flash, yeah. right? You know, you watch, you know, you watch, again, we talk about Just League and Just League Unlimited, like that's their Flash. That's the Flash that people know. Up well, until- the funny thing is for me too, it's that like, so if you look at the Justice League movie, mm-hmm. and this is what cracks me up about it, because I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of that movie, but what cracks me up about that is that the Flash in there is Barry Allen, I but they either. write him, they write him like Wally. They've, they like anytime Flash is in the yes. Justice League stuff in other media, he's typically always the comic relief guy. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's not who Barry is, right? Like, no. Barry, <laughs> like Barry, but for most of his life, he wears the bow tie. I mean, that's not that's not your comic relief. It's not, you know, he's very much straightforward. I'm I'm a forensic scientist. I do my bit. You know, I solve crimes by you know meticulous work. <laughs> you know, generally that guy's not your comic relief. And I agree with you. That's one thing about the Justice League movie I I can't stand is the fact that. You could have just said it was Wally West. I mean, I understand, especially especially if you want to create a new identity for yourself and for that team. When you have, I mean, granted, when you weren't going to use Grant Gustin, who's great as the Flash, I like that show a lot. But the idea that you have a successful Flash show with Barry Allen and you don't want to use him to be your Flash in your movie, and then the character that you do create is, you know, is is basically Wally West, it doesn't make a lot of sense, right? You know, you just could use Wally. So. Yep. Oh. Uh. We could do a whole show on Wally, <laughs> especially with the stuff that they've done to him at DC lately. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Any thoughts on Wally, really quick, before we start wrapping up? Nah, just wish they didn't change him. Uh, wish they didn't kill him off or whatever they did to him, which makes less sense. Um, mm-hmm. He's a great character. Um, I believe a lot of people know the Flash to be Wally, not Barry. Barry didn't have as strong of a personality. His greatest, I think, legacy was his death, and they negated that. So. I, I blame Didio for that, but ultimately, um, what people read was Wally. So there's no template to use for Barry. That's why they sucked up Wally. Right. I'm gonna agree with with Tommy on stuff because, like, yeah, Wally, like Barry was the the Flash on on Super Friends that I knew, but like that <laughs> Flash was was pretty two dimensional. Yes. And then Wally was the one that I got to know, and right. and like I, he definitely earned his his legacy spot as as Flash. So I definitely, I, I wasn't that keen on them bringing Barry back. <laughs> yeah. 
Because that, because that is, it's interesting you bring that up. The fact that early on, like part, one of the things I found the most charming about Wally, especially after reading him for so long, is the fact that one, he's a superhero from the time he's like twelve or thirteen, pretty, pretty, like for pretty consistently, and then, like I said, you know, goes away and get his cancer, and then comes back in, in the crisis. But from that point on, like early on in that book, in his own flashbook, he's conflicted about replacing Barry. And you don't get a lot of that when you have the idea of a teenage superhero replacing their mentor. You know, Wally's like, I don't want people to forget Barry. I don't want people to think that I'm trying to replace him. I mean, he was, you know, he was my hero. He was important to me. Yeah. No, that I mean that that's that's exactly what I was gonna get into. And 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 one of the one of the favorite aspects for me is that early on in his book, he's not as fast as Barry. No. Like all. like he can only break the like Wally can only break the sound barrier essentially running. And right. it's not until Spoiler yeah. alert! It's not until sort of like he starts becoming his own man and start letting and 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 starts being okay with him being the Flash now, right? That 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 he is, he's able to surpass Barry and actually yeah. he's faster than him down the line. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's even an instance when when talking about how fact the fact that Wally is not as fast as Barry and he he basically tries to get faster early on. There's a moment where someone, and it's kind of a, a nod to what they do with Barry in Crisis, and I won't ruin it for anybody, but someone says, I don't really think Barry Allen was human after he had the accident, like after he gets struck by lightning. And it's one of those things where, you know, for a while, like I said, Barry seems to be, and it, it's, it's, it's with the fans, it's a meta moment where he's definitely with the fans as well as with himself, where he's like, he's just trying to catch Barry <laughs> to be, you know, like, like you said, become his own man and then basically step full into the mantle of being the Flash. And then he is, he's the Flash. So, you know, like I said, I'm a, I'm a huge Wally Mark. I, I, I like the character quite a bit. So, yeah. Yeah, no, me too. But so let's start wrapping up. But I guess in the in the vein of Wally West, um, who is a teen hero that we would like to see sort of outgrow their status of being a sidekick and become sort of the main hero. Stumped everybody. <laughs> no, nah, I, I was thinking the Legion. I just really like yeah. to have seen them grow out of their teenage role and. A lot. It's part of the five-year gap in that regards. I just wanted to see them mature and bring another um, group outside of the uh, the main group, just to see what they could do outside of that. That's all. Um, There's it, not too many main characters. I like to see relinquish their roles. Like, I mean, the list goes on and on. But specifically, I just wanted the Legion to mature and bring in another younger group. I mean, it's no different than to me than the New Mutants, basically. Okay. For me, it's it's um, uh, I, I'm really excited about the idea of of Kamala Khan becoming bigger than Carol Danvers, original Ms. Marvel. I think a lot of what they what when you go back, I don't you know, if you go back and reread Ms. Marvel from the '70s, and people talk about you know having an agenda, and I, again, I'm not saying having an agenda is a wrong thing, but it's one of those you look at what was trying to be done, you know, with Ms. Marvel back in the '70s, and you look at the, the this how well told Kamala Khan's story is. And it's perfectly natural and there's no quote unquote agenda with it to my knowledge. It's just, no, this is what this girl's background is and her lifestyle. And, you know, and then she happens to get gifted, you know, she happens to get the, the, the Terrigan mist. And then from that point on, she's Ms. Marvel. You know, I, I love that about her story. I'm very excited to see what they do with that character within the, the, the greater confines of the Marvel television and stuff, whether they decide television or movie is a way to go. So that's my one that I think she'll surpass Ms. Marvel and Captain Marvel. Okay. Clifton, you got one? 
No, I mean, I was trying to think of some, but like all the ones I can think of pretty much did serve the role that I think I'd want to see. Like, I mean, a lot of them, I think we're going to get like a Kate Bishop. We've seen Kate Bishop be a Hawkeye of sorts. I think we'll continue right. to see that. Um, like, I'd be curious to see the runaways like grown up and yeah. like from the situation they they're in and, and who they become. But I also love them as teenagers. So I'm not sure I want to see that after all, but it would be interesting. Probably. Hey, quick question. Is Falcon... Falcon's a psychic, but not a teenage psychic, right? Correct. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. But Bucky, yeah. Bucky was a teen sidekick who then became Captain America eventually. Yep. Right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sam was always his own person. Yeah. And then was always an adult and then became Falcon. So... Okay. So, no surprise here, I'm going to go with a Batman character because I do think an interesting aspect of the Batman family is that it's made up almost entirely of teenage heroes. But one of my favorite eras was when Stephanie Brown, um, the spoiler, became mm-hmm. Batgirl. Right. Um, sure. She was Robin for a little while, too. But I liked especially when she became Batgirl because I liked the idea of that Robin and Batgirl are sort of like essentially the training wheels for everybody that everybody when they first come mm-hmm. on board like that's the mantle that they take up and then they end and then they ultimately grow up to become their own thing like nightwing or red robin down the road or when cassandra became cassandra kane became like black bat and then she became mm-hmm. orphan after that and stuff like that so i so stephanie brown's my vote i would have liked to have seen her progress from batgirl to her own thing older which is funny yeah. because for her it kind of went in reverse she was her own thing first and then kind of graduated right. into being in the family. And I would have liked to have seen her go out again and graduate. So, <laughs> so yeah. Okay. Well, that's uh teenage superheroes in a nutshell. Thank you all for listening. And I wanted to point out to you guys also that our uh, comment section is open on let me know how it is.com. So if there's a topic you want us to tackle, uh, leave us a comment and suggest something for us and, uh, and we could possibly use it on the show. So thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.